Only when we act together will we have the courage to change our lives and the world around us. This is why community is such an important aspect of our human experience. Welcome to the Community Heroes podcast, where we celebrate and share the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm your host, Catherine Mann. On this show, we share the stories of people using their skills, experiences, businesses, and involvement through sporting clubs and service organizations to enrich the lives of those around them. Community is so much more than the town you live in. It's a group of people that care about each other and feel they belong together. They are the people that support you when you need it the most. They're the ones who share the same ideas, interests and attributes that you do. Now let's hear from the heroes that are pioneering, changing and impacting their communities. Hello and welcome to the Community Hero Show. Today I have the incredible Dr. Louise Mailer joining us. Louise is one of the most original thinkers when it comes to business communications in today's world. Louise began her further education studies with an economics degree, majoring in statistics. It's an interesting journey of how she now become an expert in presence and influence. Louise spent a decade singing opera in Europe with some of the greatest divas of our time, as well as a soloist at the Vienna State Opera, but it was the Masters in Organisational Psychology and a PhD in Business that brought it all together. Louise is a guest presenter for leaders and leadership teams worldwide and coaches, federal politicians, heads of international business and rising corporate talent when the need is to give rise to their voices. Louise makes regular guest appearances. She has a series of videos with the Australian Financial Review and is a constant feature for comment on radio. Her book, Resonate, with Penguin Random House is for people who need to be heard. She has established the Mailer Method, which is a complete program for building presence and influence that changes lives. Her work has a transformative effect on many people's lives. Thank you so much for joining us, Louise. Hi, Catherine. Hi. And I just, you know, you just have that voice where you just go, oh, you can just just talk and you just lull into this amazing, you know, zone of <laughs> awe. Ah, uh, well, that's good. That's what I want to hear. Keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Flattery will get you everywhere. That's what I think, yes. <laughs> So, yeah, please share a little bit about yourself and, you know, your journey of going through your educational and getting your PhD in business as well as psychology and then how you then mesh that together with, you know, speaking and the training that you do today. Well, you know, as, as, as you said, I started off with an economics degree and then my singing teacher said to me, because I, I was having lessons, and said to me, I think you should do this professionally. And I thought, yes, what a great idea. And, uh, and so I went off and, and did that and I ended up in Europe and had a you know, an incredible experience over there with amazing people doing really creative things under high pressure of performance and just learning, learning, learning all the skills of people over centuries. You know, it was fascinating in, in everything that we did. And But life upon the wicked stage ain't ever what a girl supposes, as the song goes from Showboat. And, you know, it's, it's a tough world and you give yourself... Uh, time limit on that and and I went right I woke up one morning and went I don't want to do this anymore and what do you do then you know massive transition of identity and everything else and and every daily habit that you do so I did and finally slowly worked towards you know always with the goal of what is my passion what ignites me what's my passion and uh, ended up with a PhD encouraged by supervisors in my master's and uh, you know, really focused in on voice, but the psychology of voice in communication in in the everyday business world. How do we get our voice out and be 
heard. So I help people be heard in their businesses. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's a huge conglomeration of skills and knowledge from many different areas. And so share a little bit about what that looks like and what does being heard really mean for the individuals that you're working with? Yeah. Um, so our voice is a reflection of what happens with our body because our body, how we set up our body shapes our voice. And then um, our body is just a, a product of how we shape our mind. So, you know, I talk about the mind, body, voice connection. They're all connected. And how it affects people is that if they have it for some reason because of psychological trauma, uh, parents and uh, what they did, um, you know, uh, the, the country that we live in, um, all different sorts of experiences that we've had, uh, failures, they shape our sound. And so people who I meet have a lot of trouble making sound. A lot of business people find it very difficult to get out and speak, do the podcasts as you are, get their sound out. So what difference does it make when someone comes to me and they're speaking like this and they say, I can't speak under stress? And then I say, what do you do? And they go, well, I do this, you know, when I try to speak. <laughs> and, uh, and I think, okay, well, I can fix that. And then I fix it. And we lose the nerves behind it. We lose the stigma of having a certain sound. We, And it feels free. Do you know people say to me, I feel released. That's what wow. they say. So it I really feel- gives them a sense of freedom and empowers them to, to do and be more powerful with them themselves. I'll give you an example. You know, say somebody comes to you and they're going, hello, how are you? And then I show them how to make sound, the proper way to make sound. And suddenly they go, hello, how are you? And then they just freeze and they go, I've never heard that voice before. I've never heard that. And I go, well, that's your voice. That's it. Oh, I don't know, you know, and, and they, they, they didn't even knew it was there because it's so disguised. But voice work isn't, voice is the outcome. Where we really work is on the body and the breath in particular. Yeah, wow. And so one of the things that I really love at what you do and share on your social media is you actually share live streams of, um, you said there was Trump and, or, you know, from people like Kevin Rudd and, you know, and you actually explain what it is with their hands, how they're moving their hands and how they're talking and, and all their gestures and sort of, uh, add you know your perception of what's going on and it's really interesting oh I'm glad you like it you know you ask me what is my superpower my superpower is analyzing people and and of course that um you know that frightens people to death uh-huh. when they meet me they go I'm too frightened to say anything but I you know not only did I study it for a billion years I had a PhD I won an award for it you know I, I, I'm singing did that for years not only that I actually worked with a lady called Professor Miller Price in Vienna unknown here but you know had a state funeral in Austria and Professor Miller Price I worked with her for 12 years and I worked with her as her opsider in uh in Vienna, in masterclasses in Salzburg, in Wales, in Australia, in around Austria. And I would sit with her and analyse what people were doing to make sound for 12 years. So, you know, I got this incredible apprenticeship on, on seeing what other people don't see. And I, ca- I can do it standing my head. So the live you, the sessions are about giving people the glasses, putting the glasses on that I have and showing them what it is I can see. And people go, oh, my God, you're right. And, and that, that's interesting to people, but it's, it's an awareness I think we need to build. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also there's, I've been and heard a few people have uh, different perceptions on what you should do, particularly with presenting. Some people say you've got to stand still. Some people you have to walk, you know, you know, and it can get quite confusing if that, you know, and, and I always kind of think of, well, it's what suits you and what makes, you know, are you doing it out? Are you walking or pacing out of nervousness or are you doing that because you feel comfortable doing it? So it's a quite an interesting, um, I suppose, take 
and and people's perceptions yep. on what uh, is and isn't correct, I suppose, presentation skills. Oh, great. Well, let me give you my perspective on that. And, and you're right, and yet it needs just a little tweaking. So, uh, for instance, who's seen The Crown? And there's an episode of The Crown, uh, gee, which episode was it? I think it's episode three, where Diana is being trained to do public speaking and the teacher who they depict as being quite old, gets out a rope and ties it around her body. Did you see that? Have you seen it? Oh, don't watch it. Sorry. (laughs) Ties it around her body and says, you can't move your hands. Well, you know, as someone who comes from a singing background and is very keen to help people be heard and get their sound out, I know that arms are a really critical part of doing that, which the arms guide airflow. Sound is just airflow. So arms guide sound. You need your arms and we've stopped using our arms. So to see her tied up with a piece of rope, you know, for me just has me going, ah, screaming hysterically. (laughs) You know, I can't stand it. And yet maybe that is a good technique. But Diana needed to be free. Then when that that doesn't mean just go wild with your arms. That means that you need to know where the arms go, when the arms go, non-repeat gestures, congruent gestures, that you know, and forbidden places for gestures. You have to start studying, okay, you need to move your arms because you need to be free, Diana. Where are we going to put the arms? Um, not I'm going to tie them up. So now. It could be that some people do need to stand still if they, if they uh, you know, are doing too much extraneous movement. So you say, well, it's whatever's good for you, as though you can make that decision. I can tell you that each of you can't. Each of us individually is so governed by our unconscious mind, you know, which in in the uh, emotional intelligence world is faster, stronger and unconscious. And it's, you know, I've got a little puppet here that I, I depict as the unconscious mind and it's working on you all the time. So when it comes to whether this technique or that technique suits you, you kind of aren't the best person to make that decision because it's probably your unconscious mind telling you what you need to do and it's probably not very educated. Yeah. You need the help of an expert and there aren't many experts in this field. Yeah, that's true. And so, you know, does when it... People, it is a common piece of advice for people to stand still and stop gesturing and that does my head in. Please move, gesture. Just know where to move, know how to gesture. Is there, and you also then would help people understand different, I suppose, different audiences and different platforms and do they present in different ways? Of course, you know, if they're going to be directing themselves and needing all of the attention in a boardroom, to then be, you know, presenting in front of a stage, on stage, in front of a lot of people, would that look very different? Yeah, absolutely. What what we find, though, uh, a little bit like I've got a picture of Disneyland behind me today. You know, we all have a Disneyland inside us, but we are presenting the most mundane, boring version of ourselves. And we've got to unearth that Disneyland and be on whichever ride is suitable for whatever purpose. And it's the same with voice. You know, we have this massive range of voice, three octaves. You know, I think I've got more than three octaves, but three octaves. Most of us speak over just a couple of notes for the whole day and go, I can't sing. Oh, what rubbish. Everyone can sing. But we're leaving out huge parts of our voice. And if you leave out huge parts of our voice, voice is connected to who you are. So you're leaving out who you are. You've neglected parts of yourself. And so, yes, you do need to change, but many of us don't have that flexibility. We have an act and we don't vary it. And so, and then what's really cool, I suppose, with the way that you um, approach this is, is that sort of, you know, more wholesome way and holistic way of looking at you know everything not just here this is how you say these words this is how you move it is sort of going back in and sort of reframing from that sort of mind as well well it's really interesting because uh you know often the obvious answer isn't the most obvious answer so it's like an old dog you know has a lot of tricks so if you're doing something like 
speaking too quickly? Uh, the obvious answer would be to say to you, oh, Catherine, speak more slowly. If that doesn't work. Anyone you ask who's been given that instruction will I'll say, how long did that advice last? And they'll go, oh, you know, four sentences. That's it. And then it's gone. Uh, because the real issue when you're speaking too fast is that you're not breathing. There is really no pace that is too fast. The issue is if we don't breathe, we don't break up that pace and it's unlistenable. And then you get the feedback you're speaking too fast. Uh, you know, so so you come at it from a different angle. So it might be about breath. And then I might not talk about breath. I might talk about movement of the body and gestures, which then uh, get the breath, which then slows the sound down. Uh, so you get the outcome, you know, in different ways. Yeah, and in ways that are more longer lasting and tangible because they're focusing on the elements that they can also are in control of, not just what's the words coming out of their mouth. Yeah, and when we focus on words, the next thing is that so often people don't have structure. So they'll come to me like a piece of music, you know, an aria has a structure and you follow it and you know where you are. But, you know, people will say, I get very stressed. So I say, right. What are the techniques you're using in your body and your voice? You know, what are your eyes? What are you thinking of? And they go, oh, I don't really have one. I just walk into the room. I'm like, oh, right, okay. And then I'll say, what's, then people go, I rave. So I go, right, okay. What structure are you using? And they go, oh, I'm not using a structure. I just talk. Yeah, well, therefore you're going to rave. You know, you've got to know where you're heading and why and what your message is and get there. And once people are awakened to having a structure, having a few skills that go with it, they're reborn. It's, it's almost cruelty to dumb animals that we've let everybody out into the world without giving them this training and awareness. Yeah, definitely. And I think having uh, but the ability to speak and, you know, be uh, heard, it is such a crucial element and it is in absolutely invaluable as some people can do it maybe on a more easier level and other people, you know, really struggle because of whatever reason that's, that holds them back from using their voice in their most powerful way. Yeah, and, uh, and we all have that voice. We all have that voice, so we can all get it. And without it, it's difficult to sell. It's difficult to have your voice heard in a meeting. It's difficult to have influence on decisions you want made. It's difficult to get the promotion you want. It's difficult to guide a team. You know, it goes on and on and on. It's just difficult. And why we don't do it. You know, people go, oh, I might do that next year. Why? Why not now? Why not take that leap right now? Uh, um, uh, there's a sociological issue here about how we devoice society and people are uh, devoiced. So we're all born with the voice. It's not the fact that you don't have one. It's the fact that it's gone missing in action and we have to get it back <laughs> Um, and, and there's something about society that says the more people we can de-voice, the more power we will have because no one else will have a voice. So there's something inherently not quite right. Yeah, it's like within Australia there's just such a strong culture of po tall poppy syndrome. Let's just bring everybody else down because it is, it's ruthless and it's horrible. So it is something I really try to instill and change with with uh, my children that I've got influence on to help them. But And even, you know, it, like I encourage encourage them to, I've got a 16-year-old, so I encourage her to pick up the phone and make phone calls and it's very uncomfortable for her. She's like, I don't want to do it. And I said, and I will just keep pushing I'm like, you need to be able to do these things. You need to be able to ask questions. You need to be able to give responses. So you have to, you know, so use your time now to uh, to practice. Oh, Catherine, that's so brilliant. I love hearing that you're doing that. Uh, you know, I just literally was speaking to someone on Friday with a brief from top consultants. And in our virtual world, they're saying they can't have coffee. They can't hang around the foyer. They can't, you know, they have to ring and do a Zoom. And they, they it's not a matter of even what to do when they get on the call. It's a matter of make that call. So many people struggle with that. When you don't have a purpose just to say hello, we've lost the art of conversation. Yeah, and it's 
incredibly sad because I will always pick up a phone over sending an email. Um, I hate emails. I would probably avoid them at all costs, but I love having a conversation because you get to hear someone's voice. You get to have that interaction. You know, I I stopped at a coffee this morning at a coffee shop and they had a spare room, you know, a a little entertainment room at the side and they had about 15 people in there having a breakfast. It was all very casual and the door was open and I I let my head in and said, can I join? Can I come in? I want to join a group of people, you know, after a year of lockdown. Yeah, um, just meeting people. and it's been, I suppose it's been interesting too. So I've got a strong, um, and it's a little bit off topic, but th- there's a reason. <laughs> there's there's a, a strong sort of emphasis to go online with shopping and everyone's sort of, you know, always sort of uh, pushing with online. And I've got a strong retail background and, you know, they go, oh, it's just so much more convenient. It's easier. And it's like, yeah, but to me, the experience is gone. Yeah. There is no experience there. There is no fun mm. with online shopping. I don't get to I don't get to touch, I don't get to feel, I don't get to do anything and actually enjoy those moments of of you know being able to purchase something new. So I won't choose to go online. I'll avoid it as much as possible except yeah. for grocery shopping. That I don't like doing. Well, my <laughs> husband does that anyway. I don't do that. Mm. Well, we're all different. We're all different. But, you know, I I love that hit of shopping, that visual hit, uh, the exploration, being able to touch things, to feel things, um, to engage with people around the product. I'm with you. My favourite place in the world is David Jones. We have a bit of a joke here. You know, my boyfriend says, where are you? And I go, he says, are you at David Jones? And, uh, you know, I actually practice my presentations in David Jones. I practice um, on the lifts and walking around. It's like a, it's like an imaginary audience, but it, it fulfills a lot of needs. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it does. And I, yeah, I'm. Hopefully, you know, we can keep inspiring people to the experiences with every element of, you know, our businesses and lives is something important to have. And so why do you feel so driven to really serve in this area? Oh, that's a deep question, isn't it? Uh, You know, I am driven and to the point where uh, it is my business, but I have to say if it wasn't my business and there was no business, I would do it for free. I would pull people off the street. I can't stop doing it. And I'm driven because I see potential that's not realised and I just can't bear for people not to know and I know they're not realising it because, because they don't know. They don't know the little change they could make that would make a huge difference. And I don't know. I've I've done a lot of education in my life, and I know that I can make the change. I've you know I've I've uh, experienced that and and had the results. And I I don't know why I'm driven, but I am driven every day. I wake up every day driven. That's great. But maybe a lot of it's got to do with just you being able to see the results of people really enjoy their freedom from the work that you do. Yeah, and of course I also understand that it could be about, you know, I think for all of us there's an element of heal thyself position, you know, and 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 I've lost my voice at different times in my life and struggled with confidence and I have strong opinions about how to get that back and the change that, it, and then you're right, and then the buzz of the change that it makes just lifts me. So how did you get your confidence back when it was faltered? Yeah, um, the study, you know, uh, exploration, uh, realising. I studied ancient cultures, um, all the different avenues, you know, and it's like I never knew that. I never, uh, you know, so we're talking about gestures and Diane tying up and, and today it is absolutely clear we do not use our hands. Well, go back and have a look. And they, they, people have used hands eternally. You know, it was one of our major tools and skills of communication with Stone Age Man and then in ancient Rome in the theatres and for decades and in other countries. It's just Western culture. We've been tied up. And I guess the more you read, the more you discover. 
And then I could see things differently and I wanted to share how I could see it differently. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that, yeah, your knowledge that any way you take it in is something that you share so openly and freely. (laughs) And so what are the other personal reasons and other stories that have really led you onto this path? Oh, look, I, when I, when I came out of singing, I had no intention of doing anything that involved voice or anything, uh, you know, I was moving on to a different area. My original degree was uh, economics and then I did an IT qualification and I went into engineering and I was a quality manager in engineering division and, um, and, and I loved the people I worked with who were fabulous at what they did and you know, gorgeous people and talented and experienced. And then I got was on the management team and I'd go to the meetings uh, and this is decades ago, you know, I'd go to meetings and I'd sit there and this fabulous person who I knew and knew and knew what they were saying would suddenly stand up in front of us and go, well, I think one of the major things I think we've got to do. And I'd go, who is that? Who is that person? I don't know who that person is. And... Uh, uh, we would change because they couldn't present. And this wasn't one person. This was one after another after another. And in our virtual world today, uh, people are appalling. We're killing each other with boredom. We don't know how to engage. We don't know how to speak. We don't know how to structure. And everyone's just dying in the medium. So the medium, yes, has some drawbacks, but they're conquerable. But we are inflicting more pain by not knowing how to be interesting, you know. Um, Anyway, so there I was in this world and I started to go, well, hang on, maybe my past experience does have relevance because I can see things differently. So I started to talk to my manager and he said, and he said, all right, okay, so you want to, you think that some of the techniques singing would be interesting for people? And I go, yes, because of this and this and this. And I think, you know, we should be thinking about breath and movement and how we set up the room, you know. And he'd go, right, right, tell me more. And I'd go, well, you know, PowerPoints don't sell, people sell. You know, we need people at the... And then he'd go, right, right, tell me more, tell me more. And I'd say, well, you know, we need a message every time we stand up. He said, all right, tell me more, tell me more. And I did. And then he said, are you finished? And I said, yes. And he said, right, you bring your weird shit in here again, you're out. That is an absolutely true story. And it just hit me like a brick train as I thought, actually, I think my weird shit is where it's at you know so I started to explore and funnily enough like you know decades later um I ended up uh working with the global CEO of that same company and I would stand there in the room gloating going who's doing the weird shit now darling you know like uh, it ain't weird shit anymore yeah and it's so good and what a missed opportunity for him to really utilize your previous skills to be able to empower his team of people to be better communicators and uh, yes absolutely absolutely yeah Oh, it's a tragedy when people don't work on it. You know, I get so excited when I get a brief from someone who says, can you come in and work with my staff? Some are worse than others, you know, some are better. Um, And and work with them on the long term. You know, I'm doing masterclasses for one company at the moment. You do the information, here it is, but that doesn't create change. We need, you need my feedback, my analysis and then skills and practice and then say, no, no, go, stop, you know, and doing that to actually change. Because like I was talking about the unconscious mind, you can't do it yourself. And to really get in and, and help people uh, who are gifted by their managers to allow them that opportunity. And I think it's great that they're really helping them with those uh, skills that are desperately needed because we aren't utilising them as we used to. You know, interestingly, you say some people are really good at it. Well, some people haven't had it stripped away from them, their ability to communicate. And and they often are the ones who haven't had the traumatic experience, the being in the choir and being told that, you know, you're the one who was out of tune and you have to leave the choir. You know, that sort of, it doesn't sound like big trauma, but 
actually those things stay with you for life. And they're the ones who haven't had those experiences. And as a consequence, they're the last people you want to ask on how to do it because they don't know what they do. Yeah, that's so true. And there are 36 fields of study in voice in particular. I believe voice is body, but there are 36 fields of skill in voice and none of them really help the everyday person in everyday life. Uh, you know, a laryngologist works on voice, but what if you've got cancer, they'll operate. Speech pathologists will work on how you work with your mouth and your accent, but, you know, what if you're just frightened? Um, uh, PR people, you know, one PR person said, oh, I work with people and get them interviews. And, and I said, what do you do when they're afraid? He said, oh, I don't know. <laughs> they can't do it. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's uh, really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yes, do you have a plan for that? Help them through those challenges, be that support person. Mm. But it can be the blind leading the blind. Yeah, very true. I say if you meet someone who tells you to stand still and stop moving, um, run for your life. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, I heard the got told the term, no, you need to not move your feet because standing in the one spot gives you, makes you look grounded and standing powerfully. Like, oh, this distresses me. So um, it's how you stand with your feet will make you look powerful. You need the feet uh, one, you know, shoulder width apart, which is about one foot width apart, and parallel to the front if you can to look most strong. But the issue is it's an area called proxemics, and proxemics is where you stand. So, you know, there's a position in every room that is the power position, and it changes depending on the environment, but there will be a power position in every room. Are you on that position? Are you not on that position? Do you want to be off that position to ask questions, but on that position to make key statements? You know, how are you managing your environment? It's not just about standing still. It's a little knowledge is a dangerous thing. That's fabulous. And now that you sort of say that, I can instantly visualise presentations and just how people moved on and was able to use that position to really, uh, to their to the most maximum benefit. Then we start having a conversation about contaminating positions or not contaminating positions because if you are on the power position for a statement and then you stand there and tell a story or a joke, well, you've just contaminated the power of that space. You need to move to a different space or even turn sideways. If you, and everyone goes, what about at a lectern? Well, yeah, so turn sideways for a lectern. However, when I'm queen, lecterns will be burnt in the centre of the city. There will be a big fire. I'm bringing them all out and I'm burning a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, they do put a barrier don't they between oh, you and the how audience? Many presentations do you get up for? And and I say, could we get the lectern off the middle of the stage? Because that's my power position. I don't want to be behind a block of wood. What, what, what is that about? Honestly. And if you're behind a block of wood and you don't have your body, then you had better have your voice together. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, can, can I ask you to think of this? Um, do you speak? On the breath in or the breath out? Yeah, breath out. Yeah, okay. Most people have to think for about 30 seconds about that. Oh. Yeah, this is something we do all the time. And if we can't, like you, answer that question pretty well straight away, which do you speak on the breath in or the breath out? Then, you know, Houston, we've got a problem. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I've I've, I've got to say, I'll be very honest, I've never had any vocal vocal training. It probably uh, shows a lot, <laughs> especially when the, the country ockets seems to come out uh, sometimes and you uh, start talking about, you know, my childhood especially. Wow. You, know, you go back to that really country slang. And <laughs> um, Where did you come from? Uh, from Beechworth, Yak and Danda, so oh, up in northeast Victoria. Oh, how gorgeous. Yeah. Beautiful part of Victoria. Look at that smile. Look at those teeth. See, that's all about vulnerability, showing your teeth. And that you, because in the old days, of course, in ancient times, if your teeth were knocked out, you couldn't eat. And it's like animals. I've got a horse at the moment and he's old and it's his teeth that will kill him because if you can't, don't have teeth, you can't eat. Yeah, and, that's right. Uh, and, you know, so if you had your teeth knocked out, so to show your teeth, 
is still today has a psychological message of uh, I trust you, I, I want to be with you. Oh, that's great. Oh, well, I've always just, I don't know, I've always just liked smiling because it makes me feel good. I don't know about anybody else, but... <laughs> And what was, uh, when you were talking in one of your videos, you were sort of saying about one with showing the bottom teeth and that was really interesting about what that meant in the context of somebody talking. Mm. Well, you know, to hold the top lip still and just show the bottom teeth is just, it's a very English thing to do, uh, to you know, take the bottom lip to home. Um, yeah, it's not great. Uh, usually to do that you have to keep the teeth shut to do it and um, keeping the teeth shut is jaw tension jaw tension is created by an emotion of aggression so yeah oh you know I'm doing it now I'm doing it (laughs) (laughs) now you're playing around with it what's what of your uh keys, tools, keys of wisdom for people that will stutter on words and be something like they'll always go there and then or um or just as and, you know, that repeat uh, similar words be, uh, more out of uh, now I'm doing it, <laughs> nervousness, I'm not sure what they're going to say. Yeah, so what happens is when it comes to little sets of words, I've got a set of word I, I, words I keep saying. I don't even remember what it is, but uh, so I can hear myself do it sometimes on TV and I'll go, oh, Louise. But the unconscious mind has latched onto that as something that works and it just throws it in, throws it in, throws it in. And it's funny because we can't hear it ourselves. We can't hear it. Now, I've heard it on TV, but my unconscious mind goes, don't bother remembering that, Louise. Don't bother because you need that phrase. That phrase is really important to you. So, you know, me trying to cure myself is very difficult. And it's great to have somebody externally. And to cure it is not about watching yourself on video. It's about having somebody right there and being able to break the pattern. So when you say those words, I go... I, I actually think it's really electric shock treatment. So I could, uh, like a little tens machine, I could put that on your body, and every time you say those words, I'll give you a little zap. I, I was going to create a little electric shock system, but I thought it wouldn't sell, you know. But um, uh, so there you are, and you you just get zapped in the moment or stopped in the moment from saying those words and eventually it raises up to awareness and and you can overcome it. Uh, That's if you have a little word pattern that you say. However, saying um, uh, um, or uh, a stutter that comes on is, um, it's not a word. So can you see how if I say, if you're saying um and I say to you, oh, don't say um, Catherine, don't say um, you go, all right, thank you very much. And then you listen to the video and you go, yeah, yeah, I say um a lot. Uh, but guess what? You didn't know you said um. Um is is not a word. So you're not aware of saying it. And it's very difficult to give someone the feedback, don't say um, and have them act on it. I believe that um is not a word. It is an air blockage. So it's like ah, ah, ah in the throat and then mm, mm, mm at the mouth. Ah, mm, ah, mm, ah, mm, um. And it's when we block the air. So the solution to saying um is not stop saying um. It's do keep air flowing. Don't let the air block under any circumstances. It doesn't matter if you say bar bar black sheep, have you any wool? Just keep speaking without blocking the air. You see, Biden is an interesting example because he stutters and they say he had a stutter as a child. I don't know about that. Uh, I'd like to see some evidence. But he, it's his thing under stress he loses his airflow and starts to stutter during the debates he did it now that he's won he's not doing it he's not doing it he's not stuttering anymore now isn't that fascinating people say he's got a stutter well guess what if you have a stutter it does not go away you know under stress so it's under stress his breath blocks in some way and then his uh, his you know it comes out as stuttering and that was great. Yeah, I remember watching the video you were talking about him with his stuttering and also Malcolm Turnbull, then how he was quite tense when he was prime minister. And now you see to see yeah. him speak and he's open and he's smiling and he moves and he's yeah. a lot more at ease with whatever what he's saying. Absolutely. And I could map that. 
when it was that they said to him, uh, hold, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out, watch out. And he froze. He absolutely froze. And he didn't come back to being his free self during his whole reign as prime minister. And now people had exactly the same reaction to him speaking the other day on Q&A. Everybody said, where was that Malcolm Turnbull when he was prime minister? Where was that Malcolm Turnbull? Well, he'd had, he clearly had the shit beaten out of him. Uh, to the point where he was blocked. And that's the same for all of us. We need to recognise it. He was under enormous stress. Most of us aren't under that much stress that we're Prime Minister, but we break at different levels. Yeah, that's so true. Mm. What have been some of the biggest challenges that you've faced with developing your your business as well as um, these Different lot of skill sets that people aren't quite used to and getting them yeah. out there. Yeah, um, huge challenges. So, uh, you know, at first I, I, I sell my business by doing my business, by getting results and people see the what I do, uh, experience what I do and then they go get her. You know, I get people who have seen me, you know, five, ten years ago and they go, I loved what you did, come in. Um, but if you haven't seen me, then you'll go, you do what? You know, we're looking for, let's have a look at what's on our list here of things that we need. We need this, we need this, we need customer service, we need, you know, all of the usual things. And then we go, you do what? You know, people will be hurt. Yeah, okay, sorry, that's not on the list. And then I do, uh, you know, I actually work with bodies um, and people are like, my body? What's my body got to do with it? You know, what, what, do you, what do you mean, my body? We are so unaware in our virtual world. I, I talk to people all the time who are just a head on screen, you know, just hello with a head or right in on the screen so that all you can see is the top of their head uh, and, and their eyes are all over the place and they're at funny angles and, and we're just so aware. And, and I have to say it's very stressful. If you've got a screen full of people who are badly organised on screen, we are accustomed to a television screen. And if you don't match that, then you are out of place but nobody recognises that. So I, I'm working in an area that has been blocked from our awareness, which is a block to business. Now I've got enough profiles so people know what I do and they'll go, oh, can you come in and, you know, do that thing you do? You know? Yeah. Just wave the magic wand. Yeah. Just do wave that. The magic wand. Yeah, yeah that's fun. great. And, and the key to, a key to getting in something that is a different business is to, uh, you know, make people laugh, I think. I think being able to use uh, humour and comedy to a, in level is a great uh, thing that you can really, that is powerful in conversation as well as presentations as well because it really helps people connect. You know, when there's stress as well um, and what is comedy, what is laughter, what is laughter? Laughter is a way of unblocking because it's the diaphragm actually bounces up and down. That is the definition of laughter. And that's what we want is a loose diaphragm. That's what we're aiming for, to get the air to flow. So if you can get laughter, then you can breathe, then you can speak. One the most chronic voices that I'm hearing today are vocal fry and uptalk. Vocal fry is where you have no air coming out of your body, almost none, and the vocal folds start to malfunction and you get that crackly sound that's so common and it's terrible psychologically uh, And uh, because it says I've got no air coming out of my body. Air is the way we touch other people, the vibrations of the air. You have no air coming out. You have no vibration. You have no touch. You have no connection. Um, disaster. And the other one's up talk. So at the end of every sentence going up, uh, and so I think it would be amazing if we could do that and all get together. Uh, and this totally weakens and pulls away. Uh, women women seem to be doing it, you know, for whatever psychological reason other than uh, men. And, of course, we're behind the eight ball to start with. You can't afford to double that by doing up talk. Yeah, that's true because it's it's putting a question mark at the end of your sentence or what you're trying to say when mm. it should be it's the end not making it powerful anymore. Mm. Correct, correct. Removing your power altogether as if it's not hard enough to get any power in the first place. 
but you're asking asking you're asking the question you're asking permission rather than dominating uh-huh. that not dominating but in uh-huh. structure of that yeah, yeah. wow one, one of the things I do to be heard like we were talking about proxemics where do you stand in space how do you use your hands where are your eyes how is your body set up in terms of posture you know where do you where your legs um all of those sort of things but the other thing is making a statement and actually going down you know I, and and it's absolutely critical you know slow down and go down to have influence to have power uh and and you'd go well okay great that's easy no it's not you try it it's not as easy as you think if it's not part of your habitual pattern but it is there as part of your ability why aren't we using it well maybe gosh there's a lot connected with that I don't want to look powerful you know I get into trouble when I'm powerful tall poppy syndrome you mentioned I get my head chopped off so I don't want to be powerful. People sound bossy. Uh, all sorts of things kick in. That's like all these little stories. Mm. What are some of your favourite stories of people that you've worked with that you've seen them changing? Oh, well, working with performance anxiety is the most rewarding. And people have come in. Look, I'm 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 not exaggerating when I say that I've had senior people come in to me who literally are talking about resigning from their job and self-harming in some way uh, because they're so distressed about their they've worked their whole lives to this position and now are too terrified to get up and have had an experience perhaps where they've stood in front of a group and frozen and been unable to speak and that you know kind of dramatic experience is what then they go help help it and and you know I do say I want to say you should have got help earlier or you could have got help earlier not should have but we wait for that crisis to get help um and to see people who are in that state to then take them through where they're talking about going on Q&A and the drum and you know really getting their massively important opinion out there to influence society um that that really that turns me on I think that's fabulous. And because we all have such a unique voice from our experiences uh, and values that we have to share from our lives and everything that we've learned. And we all should have the tools and the resources to be able to share that. Mm-hmm. Look, if you can't share it, you're wasting your time. So true. Mm-hmm. What are your big dreams and visions for the future? Oh, wow. Um, Big dream and vision is that I can change people's perspectives so that I can put these pair of glasses that I've got onto their face and that they can see, do you see what I see? You know, they can see what I can see and that we can start to have intelligent conversation. You know, I, I, I get frustrated with having to talk to people about it would be a good idea to smile or at least not look angry all the time and I'm I'm sick of having to convince people of that the research is there so that we're actually having a mature conversation about the gray areas not just black and white should be shouldn't be but actually the gray areas and and having that conversation you know if I might say with Trump for instance we get manipulated by hypnotic techniques of performance and people say therefore that is bad no it's good but we need the good fairies learning these skills not just the bad fairies learning the skills and we need to be able to see them and understand them and realize when we're being manipulated and having intelligent conversation about it rather than just saying that person is bad that person is good that person is no what are they doing? What are the messages? How is that affecting me? Uh, what impact is it having? Um, yeah. I think that's great. And back, oh, my daughter, she's now 16. She was nine at the time. She was watching the um, debate between Tony Abbott and Kevin Rudd. She loves politics and she was watching it and she was like, she doesn't, she didn't like Tony Abbott, but she said, 
even then she was going, but he answered this question better because he said it this in this way and it sounded better and Kevin Rudd didn't answer it as good because he did it in this way. So right. she was actually pulling apart the conversation uh, at her, her level. Like she didn't mean, you know, of what she could understand it as. But it is interesting. It's not just don't just label it as good or bad. Actually look at the why behind it. What is showing up and what is what is actually happening there? See, I was analysing Kevin Rudd the other day and, uh, and, and Kevin Rudd will always sit in the centre position, um, always sit um, with symmetric hands, very serious, and then he will mm, lick his lips mm, like the cat that's got the cream and then he makes statements out of uh, sentences that aren't statements. So I think I'll have a tea. And, you know, completely irrelevant things that turn into statements. And they're not statements, but it's a way of kind of all these skills of raising authority. But and, and it's, it's quite funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's interesting when you can, you know, get the um, understanding, learn about what's actually going on with words and uh, these conversations, then you can start to pinpoint how they do affect uh, you and how you perceive things. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Raise the awareness of what's going on. That's my, my vision, to die with an intelligent conversation happening in the media. Yeah, that's great. I've no doubt. And how can people contact you, assist you and follow along on your journey? Well, I'm very easy to find because I'm the only Dr. Louise Marler in the world. Um, there actually was another. She was the first black doctor in one of the, the soap operas in America, Dr. Louise Marler, very well researched because it was a huge thing on American TV in the 1970s, I think. Anyway, today I'm the only Dr. Louise Marler. So enter into Google. That's it. I'm the, I'm the one you'll get. But it's Louise Marler. Louise Marler. At, yes. What is it? louisemarler.com.au that's, that's my website and the uh, the digital courses are the marler method so very easy to find wonderful thank you so much for joining us Louise it's been so insightful to hear uh, your story about how you learnt such a unique talent and how you use it to help people really find their powerful voice and amplify it out to the world I really love the work that you're doing Catherine thank you how lovely <laughs> thanks have a great day thank you thank you for joining us and I hope you enjoyed the show if you want to hear more stories of awesome everyday people helping their communities, then make sure you subscribe to this show. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email at communityheroespodcast at gmail.com or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram just by searching Community Heroes Podcast. Also, you can connect with me personally on LinkedIn by searching Catherine Mahn, that's C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-M-A-H-O-N. I hope to hear from you soon.